Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. This week on Gleaming the Tube, we are discussing Skate Kitchen, a 2018 movie directed and co-written by Crystal Moselle. It tells the story of Camille, a teenage girl who falls in with a group of female skateboarders in New York City through their Instagram feed. The group in the movie and in real life are called The Skate Kitchen, and the performers in the movie play fictionalized versions of themselves. I thought this movie was fantastic. I legitimately enjoyed this movie very, very much. The exact same. I, I actually watched it, and then when it ended, I watched it immediately again. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, it was sort of for a dual purpose, where I, I sort of sat and watched the movie and just enjoyed it the first time around, and then watched it again, uh, just, you know, to pick up on some of the nuances, but enjoyed it equally the second time, even though I had just watched the film. Like, it was, it was really, really impressive and really, really well done. And I thought it had a really nice touch to it. Yeah, and it's like there's like an interesting story behind how this film was made where, you know, the Skate Kitchen was a real Instagram group and the filmmaker had worked with them, I think, on a, on a short film for a brand and decided to turn that into a narrative feature. And because they're all real skateboarders and because I think they all already knew each other. They had kind of this natural bond that really comes through on screen. And I also think because they're not playing characters who are very far from themselves. I mean, I don't think any of them had a lot of acting experience, but the performances to me are very naturalistic. Oh, absolutely. I think that that was the, the interesting thing I read up on it. And that, you know, the idea that she just sort of met them on the subway, it seemed like it's we're like, well, you guys seem like interesting people. And to have it go from that chance meeting to a short film, to a feature-length film that absolutely plays out beautifully as a feature film. Like, it, it's it's one of those sort of weird miracle things that happens where everybody kind of found their spot, and it, it really is, it's very watchable. Yeah, and now there's an HBO show, too, called Betty, which is basically most of the same cast playing very similar characters in a very similar setting. The first thing that struck me in this movie, honestly, like the first thing I really noticed was the sound design. Yes. And like the sound of the wheels on pavement. Uh, it, it all sounded like very tactile, like the wheels spinning. And that was not something that we really had in any of the other movies we've watched for this project. I noticed that too. And I think the reason for that is because a lot, I, I think most of the movie, but especially most of the sequences where there's skateboarding involved, were filmed exactly the way that skateboarding videos are filmed, which is handheld cameras. Uh, you know, uh, the microphone is attached to the camera and the camera's right up in the action. And I noticed too, it that whole opening sequence, like the sound of the wheels kind of squeaking on that very specific skate park type of concrete. And the yeah, like the the trucks and the and the this, just the physical sound of the board felt very much like you're watching a long form skate video. If you watch, I mean, any skate video that that's you know available in any in a, in in a million different formats on whether it's on YouTube or is all of these skate videos are filmed by just kids on skateboards with cameras, and the stuff that they accomplish as far as like lighting and sound, you know, it's all done right on the spot there's no foley work so what you're hearing in the movie is i think like a 
the real sound of real skateboarding happening in real time. And I thought that was, that was really, that was also one of the first things I noticed is that the whole movie looks like a skate video. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I noticed, I haven't seen a lot of recent skate videos, but I noticed like there's a handheld camera aesthetic mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like magic hour shots. It's very sun dabbled. Well, and I think that's an, that's an interesting thing is that I think a lot of skate skates uh, filmers or cinematographers have figured out that there's a lot you need to do with that. You know, I mean, it's mostly natural lighting. So there's a lot you can do with just the time of day in which you choose like that, that sequence where they try to get to the LES skate park early in the day before it's a total dude fest. You can tell that's, that is six o'clock in the morning in New York city. That's what that looks like. I was surprised to see that like, Almost all of the skate crews, even like the dude skate crew who kind of reappear throughout the film, have a member of the crew who's like their videographer, who's on a skateboard, like with a camera at all times. In street skateboarding, the sort of you live and die by the footage that you produce of yourself skateboarding for whatever the purpose is, whether it's to put it up on Instagram or to make your own little skate video, or if you're a sponsored skateboarder, the way that you kind of advertise yourself is by with filmed content so yeah there's always the kid with a camera documenting the goings on so that's a that plays very real and one of the other things i I noticed was like because they're constantly filming for instagram tricks and they'll do the trick like five or six times until they get like a good shot of it that felt real to me i don't know if it is real but that felt like something that goes on in the day and age of youtube and instagram it's funny that there is sort of a separation between the kind of tricks that you would film and put on Instagram versus the kind of stuff that you would, you know, hang on to and put in a longer edit. There's the various attempts and then the the triumphant right away, which is what we call the make. And that's the one that ends up on Instagram or you know, if you're filming for a more involved project, that's the one that gets filed away. I got the sense from the movie that the the Skate Kitchen group were mainly interested in Instagram. That actually dovetails nicely into one of the, my first thoughts about this was that as I was watching the movie, I started to do, you know, like in a lot of the other films we've watched, one of the first things I start to think of is, well, who are these skaters, you know, quote, quote, in real life and who are they sponsored by and, you know, what companies they're there right for. But I got the sense and it turned out to be true during the, while I was watching the film that these, these kids are, I don't want to say they're outside of that world, but that's just sort of not their biggest consideration. Their biggest consideration isn't who they're sponsored by and who's paying them to wear a specific kind of shoe, but their biggest concern is skate kitchen. And a lot of those, you know, smaller sort of groups of skaters are filming for, they, they, they say it, that's doing it for the gram. You know, you're either filming on an iPhone or on a, on a device that you can download it onto an iPhone. And that sort of becomes where you sort of represent the most is on Instagram, especially as the formats get longer. I think there's like a whole minute now that you can upload on Instagram. So it was interesting to me that I, I felt like, I think it was like halfway through the second viewing, I realized I was kind of asking all the wrong questions in this context. Well, as I was watching Clueless, I was, I had immediately thought, well, who is that skater? (laughs) But in this movie, the skater is who they are. Like that was really them. And the other, some of the other kids, you know, in the other crews are also just, that's, that that's really who they were. I also liked how it showed that not every, you know, trick they tried was flawless. There were a lot of kind of tricks that went awry. There were some injuries. The Camille character has like a 
really gruesome injury, like right at the start of the film. Sort of for the first time in any of the films that we've watched, you're not watching this heavily edited Hollywood or, you know, skate video representation of skateboarding. You're watching the kind of skateboarding that exists exactly parallel to corporate or professional skateboarding, but just happens all the rest of the time, which is you're just riding your skateboard. There's that really beautiful scene where she's on her way, I think, to meet with the skate kitchen for the first time, just skating down her street. And that's, it's such a naturalistic portrayal of real skateboarding. She ollies over the sewer cap and then does a little 180 ollie and then kind of like in this, in this moment of sort of joy, lets her arms, you know, sort of reach out. And it's like, she's legitimately enjoying the physical act of skateboarding instead of enjoying it for a camera. And in, and in skateboarding, especially modern skateboarding, you, you could be mistaken to think that the only time professional skateboarders skateboard is when they're actually filming for some larger project. But in reality, 90% of the skateboarding that happens, whether you're a pro or a kid who's just riding your skateboard, is just skateboarding. With the advent of the internet and Instagram, you actually get to see a lot more of that. And that's what made it feel so relevant you know, is that you you actually get to see a dozen tries of a trick before the land or a bail or a, you know, or a, or a lot of times on Instagram, you, you actually start to see like, it's not a perfectly landed trick, but you, you know, the person rode away and that's, that's like worthy of Instagram. And that's been a lot of fun. You don't get the sense with any of the characters in this, that it's about business or about like in thrash and how, you know, the dude wanted to get sponsored or, even the Gator documentary, which is drawn from real life, you know, Gator was, I think, so at the top of his game that you don't really see Gator do a lot of struggling outside of the sequence we talked about where he tried to learn to street skate. But I felt like in this, it was not about skating at this professional level. It was about doing it like for the joy of it, which is one of the things I, I really liked about it. The overriding sense of the whole movie is that that's the the reality of skateboarding is that you you just you're always skateboarding. If you're sitting talking, you're holding your skateboard and you're playing with the wheels and you're sitting on your skateboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you, when you go to sleep, the skateboard is right next to you. And when you wake up, you pick it up and you know, that, that felt really truthful. Oh, and I love the scenes of Camille trying to like sneak her skateboard out of the house by like lowering it down on a, on a thing. I mean, that, that felt very true to me, especially as someone who, like I wasn't a skateboarder, but I would like try and sneak my punk rock clothes out of the house when I was a teenager. You know, this is one of the first movies we've watched that has parents in it. Clueless had the dad, but the dad was almost like completely checked out. And this was the first one that had a character like dealing with their parent. I read a lot of reviews of the film and it was interesting that one of the things that a lot of the reviewers sort of like took the movie to task for, which was odd to me, was they sort of accused a lot of the things going on in the movie as these sort of cliched tropes, like the disapproving mother and the, the dynamic with Jaden Smith being that, you know, that the, eventually the skate kitchen, their source of an argument is over a boy. Those things to me seem like the most realistic things. Like the mother was not the villain of the movie. She was just a concerned mother whose child was pretty roughly injured in the, in the, in the first few moments of the film. I don't know if it, there's a term called credit carding, which is when you the board accidentally pops up and goes between your legs 
and you you and the board land on the ground and you can imagine what the, the board is the credit card and your crotch is the is the chip reader that happens to the to the main character so it's not like her mother is just this like tisking you know disapproving like debutante her, her kid got really injured and so you don't get the sense that it's just this like you know shut up mom like her mom's got some real concerns and and that, and that leads to absolutely sneaking your skateboard out by lowering it <laughs> out of your bedroom window and sneaking into the city which you know i mean who among us hasn't snuck to the lar- you know to the big city to like just spend the day i mean even you know the way that they all meet it's such a well worn but realistic dynamic is that it's a group of friends who are, have established themselves and are very welcoming to kind of a a newcomer who sort of like comes out of their shell and it it absolutely reads as very 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 truthful to me i loved that kind of subtext about like you know how important it is when you're a young person to find your tribe and to find find the people that will you know bring out the best version of you i really liked the dynamic of of all the i like some of my favorite scenes were just the skate kitchen characters just sitting around bullshitting i also thought it was really interesting that they made her I think it it might have been tempting to make her character a little younger, but I thought it was interesting that she was she was eighteen. She was already in a some ways a fully formed person, and it was meeting that you know meeting these other girls that kind of drew. There's that really really great scene where you, she finally sort of like relaxes a little bit and makes the funny face for the picture for Instagram where you start to see her like loosen up a little bit. And that's what makes it all the more heartbreaking later on when they use that picture to call her fake on Instagram, because it's like the moment she dropped her guard. Every review I read mentioned the scene where all of the skate kitchen girls skate past a girl of like five or six years old. Who's like looking on them in awe. It also reminded me of like one of my favorite scenes in the movie where everyone's just kind of walking around holding their skateboards. And there's a dude on a stoop who says, Hey, can you Ollie with that thing? And the character just, flatly responds back nah I'm a poser and like keeps walking and there there are a few things going on there one was like that bullshit gatekeeping that a lot of dudes do involving anything and then it's doubly you know if you're if you know any any dude showing up on a scene with a skateboard the minute they can do an ollie or can ride the skateboard they're sort of like they've passed the litmus test but if you're a I think especially in skateboarding, which is a very, very teenage dude-oriented activity, there's like way more layers of proving yourself that you have to do before you're even even given sort of like the most cursory respect in that world. Oh my God, but I think it's like that with everything. You know, in the nerd shit I'm into, there's this whole terrible like stereotype of like the fake geek girl like god forbid someone like the same things you do or you know in punk rock where it's you know there's a a girl with a band t-shirt and some dickhead is immediately like we'll name three other songs i think gatekeeping has been an issue in like a lot of subcultures like i I don't know i mean the common denominator i think is that people are shitty but i think the i think the internet has made it worse one of the things about this movie is i think it shows what's really great about the internet and what's really shitty about the internet through the internet, Camille's able to hook up with these skate kitchen people. and But also they're able to kind of, like you had said, later on use that photo to make her feel bad about herself. As these subcultures have gotten like more democratized and more types of people have been brought in, there's been like the old guard has really put their fur up and behaved in ways that are, are not. The guy who questions whether 
the character Kanali, he thinks that he's also flirting. <laughs> you know, that's the other, you know what I mean? So he's being this gatekeeper, but he's also using the presence of a skateboard as a way of like, he thinks is like breaking the ice to be able to talk to these girls. But in reality, he's just challenging them in this, in this very sort of unfortunate and, and frankly boring way. And her response is so perfect. That's the response that 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 character has had to sort of like train herself to have because I'm sure that she gets asked that question 20 times a day from some shit bird who, you know, who's like looking to sort of, you know, find a way into even just starting a conversation. I also, you know, one of the other things that I really like, the characters are all like, they stand their ground. You know, I feel like if you are, you know, in New York City, there's a very, very vibrant, street youth culture that revolves a lot around skateboarding and it takes nerve the les skate park that that's featured in that movie is a sort of roiling pit of activity and to even stand on your skateboard in in that location and try to do a trick for anybody is pretty intimidating but for a group of female skateboarders i'm sure you have to develop a massive amount of go fuck yourself. And I, it really came off in the movie They they, when they get challenged, they do not back down. They do not, you know, they don't shy away from it. They step right up. And I thought that that was really, really cool and interesting to see. The the other thing that I, I thought really worked well for this movie is that no one, is this there's nobody is a hero or a villain in this story? There are guys who are loudmouth dickheads, and there are guys who are you know sympathetic characters, and there are girls who are you know inconsiderate and loudmouth assholes, but also welcoming and and everybody in the film seemed as though they were just trying to figure themselves out. Yeah, and one of the things in the movie that jumped out at me too, especially considering like this is the only recent movie we've watched for this so far is, you know, for the first time I'm seeing more than white dudes on skateboards. Absolutely. And when, when did that shift start happening? I'm going to say maybe five years or so. I feel like skateboarding has sort of finally at least started. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really reiterate that finally started to be as inclusive as it always sort of congratulated itself for being. It wasn't that long ago that there were skate companies that were like geared towards girls. And of course the boards are all pink and had like bunnies on them. You know what I mean, they were, they were sort of like unfortunately marketed towards what they thought the, the female population in skateboarding wanted. And it's only been in maybe in the last five years or so where because, you know, it, it's, it's, I can't reiterate this enough because the internet completely opened everything up and because the market isn't just dictated by the skate industry and you know for years and years and years the skate industry was listening solely to straight teenage boys and so if that's you know if that's what they thought that the the teenage boys wanted that's what they would do there was no there was no uh, uh availability or um opportunity for a professional skateboarder to to come out of the closet as gay or or to present themselves as gender fluid it was the, the gatekeepers were saying from for i don't know you know for the last 40 years that skateboarding you know is you know strictly marketed towards straight dudes 
And then suddenly, because of the internet and because of the of the expectations about turning pro or having sponsorship with these like specific companies started to fall away, and there you started to see like more and more and more people being represented in skateboarding, you know, of their own accord on the internet. It was almost like the skate industry was like, say, it seems like there might be gay skateboarders out there. And that seems like it's okay. And I, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't homophobic people in skateboarding. That's certainly not the case or there aren't misogynistic people, but because the, you know, the forum for skateboarding has gotten way more out in the open there's, you know, finally there's a, there's a level of tolerance there. I, there was, it was only a few years ago, if you think about this, the big shoe companies got involved in skateboarding, Nike and Adidas. And a couple of years ago, one of their absolute pillar pros uh, by the name of Nigel Houston went on the record in some interview in Thrasher magazine and, and insisted that skateboarding was only for dudes and it was too dangerous for girls. And, but what he didn't, think about was that he is a representative of Nike and Nike said that is not an appropriate thing to say. And he had to kind of retract the statement. And you can only imagine that 15 years ago, if he had said that in the pages of Thrasher magazine, it would have been sort of forgotten in 10 minutes, but because there's sort of this like larger kind of corporate presence, you find a lot of pro skaters, like, you know, putting themselves in a situation where things that would have flown within the industry 10 years ago are suddenly kind of being called out. I wish that I knew the exact date because it was within five years, uh, one of the first openly gay skateboarders came out of the closet and went to a resounding welcome from the industry, which you'd think by 2000 and I don't know, whatever it was, 15 or 16 or 17, that would have been a bridge that had long since crossed. And it wasn't, it was only very recently. And then it, since then, there's been a lot of things that have fallen into place. There are now openly trans pro skaters and more and more openly gay skaters and female skateboarders that aren't being relegated to like the sidelines of the industry. They're starting their own companies. They're starting their own fashion lines, whatever. And it's, it's so it's like in 2020, I feel like skateboarding is finally at a point where it really is sort of an inclusive, we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Well, in a world where there's been so much terrible shit this year, it's nice to see that skateboarding at least is heading in the right direction. I will say this. It's it's interesting. This is a perfect movie to talk about this because I I've I have really been this lifelong fan of skateboarding. And it's like being a fan of, of a lot of those subcultures where there's blind spots and things that are sort of wrong. You know, I mean we, you know, think about being a fan of like hardcore music. There's there's certainly some really terrible elements of of, of hardcore that you kind of have to sort of almost like deal with if you're gonna be involved in that scene. And with skateboarding, I feel like I actually feel really proud of it finally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like it was, you know, it's like it, it was always an asterisk. And now it feels a lot more like a, an inclusive thing. And this movie is, re- is a really, really, really good representation of that. You know, I, I also have to add the caveat. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, it's all perfect and happy now. There's certainly some terrible attitudes that still prevail, but we're, we're certainly in, in a much better shape than we were maybe 10 years ago. I was super into this movie. Like, even as someone who's not like a skateboard person, despite co-hosting a skateboarding podcast. I was super into it. I, I liked this movie a lot. 
And, oh, and, and that was the interesting thing. As I was watching it, it's it's interesting. Because there was a lot, a lot of skateboarding in this movie, but the, the skateboarding was sort of like, it wasn't actually the thing that kind of drew me to it and held my attention. You know, last week we did Police Academy 4, where there was not a lot to love except the awesome skateboarding. And in this movie, the skateboarding was actually sort of a, a an aside to an, a really, really nice story. So... For next week, I was looking around for something to do for Halloween that was scary, like a horror movie that involved skateboarding. And what I hit on was VHS Viral, which I think is the third VHS movie. I think it's an anthology and only one of the segments is about skateboarding. But um, I was like, well, it's going to be Halloween week. We should. Let's dig in. We should should do that. So, and it's another kind of, it's another kind of recent one. So, so that'll be. Kevin, perhaps there will be tricks and treats. (laughs) (laughs) You want to end on that? (laughs) Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at gleamingthetube, Twitter and Instagram at gleamthetube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. (laughs) 